You're listening to The Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. And I am back. Did you miss me? I'm back in the saddle, live from the studio, not from Australia, live. But I've got, a, I've got someone with me, a co-host, if you will. And who is this? How dare he muscle in? Well, it's David Ford. He is one of my favourite artists of all time. And I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to join him in a minute. But before I do that, he wrote this, Waiting for the Storm. I've searched the places I have been To understand this sorry state I'm in The only answers I can find Go lost with my tiny mind Somewhere so many years ago And oh my lord, I can't believe All these crimes that are accused of me Now my memory is all short Don't know if I'm guilty or if I'm not Still I'll try to clear my name can do is wait and see If sweet salvation will come and rescue me From all this weary flesh and bone Still walk this path For all these sorry sons of 
for the storm by david ford who we have on the line are you there david hello yes i am now david you wrote a book and there's a bit in this book that says there was a time when people swore i would be the next big thing with hard work and dedication i finally proved them all wrong but for a while at least it was a pretty close run thing now that i love that quote and we're going to talk through your career if that's all right (laughs) if that would please you then uh, I'm, I'm willing to face those demons. <laughs> um, and um, we've just we've just played um, "Waiting for the Storm," which is my mum's favourite song. So uh, she's a, a lady of fine taste and discernment. Well, she is indeed. Um, and uh, I'll let my dad know. Um, now, much like Taylor Swift, you are a solo artist who writes her own songs or his own songs. Unlike, uh, but I, I, I also write Taylor Swift songs as well. No one's <laughs> that's going to go out live, and uh, we will. Uh, you you may find yourself uh, on the end of a, of uh, the Swift Army's vengeance. There, I would I, I would like to distance myself from the statements earlier made by myself. I did not write any of Taylor Swift. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't always that way, was it? You, I first got into your music via a band called Easy World. Yes. Um, and you operated in the early 2000s, just after Britpop. Yeah, yeah. Well, depending on the definition of Britpop, yeah, we, we actually we actually started as a band in 1997, which I think puts us, you know, we, we, we would have been in the Britpop uh, era, possibly, depending on our definitions. But um, we didn't we didn't really get our act together until yeah the early 2000s. Well, that's that's fair enough. Um, and I got to you. Do you remember this this HMV playlist? Oh, yeah. You guys were on that. That's how I first got, got to you. And you probably don't remember the song that was on it. I think we, I think we chose really badly. Is, was it like some weird jazz B-side with a trombone solo in it? Well, here is the trombone solo playing in the background now. And it's called Lying on a Single Bed with a Metaphysical Blues Again. What a pretentious load of <laughs> But I listened to it and thought, hello. This has got a trombone solo in it. This yeah, is, I, I played the trombone solo myself. Well, well yeah. much like Prince, you know, a man of many talents. Well, um, well, no, playing trombone is definitely not one of my talents. I, I think I bought myself a trombone about the week before, having never played one in my life, and, and thought I, I, all I want to do is be able to get through one trombone solo. Well, you did. So, yeah, with, with, with minimal practice and, and maximum editing and some very clever you know, software. We managed to. I managed to play a trombone solo, but that was a terrible choice to put on a on like a showcase thing. You, we should have put like our single on there. I don't know why that went on there. Who thought that was a good idea? Well, this wasn't even a B side or anything, was it? It was just some random song that you. Yeah, you, it was. It wasn't good enough for a B side. I don't know why. You know, yeah, we, we were very foolish, and there were some foolish people making some foolish decisions on our behalf. <laughs> well, there's some good bands on here. There's the, there's yeah. Lamb Chop. There's Maroon Five. You're on a CD with Maroon for Scissor Sisters, Franz Ferdinand. They did a live version of Take Me Out, and you went with Lion. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that was, you know, that was, I mean, let's face it, that was never going to be the moment that, that was going to make or break our, our career. But at the same time, yeah, we, we, we made a dud choice there. Do you want to know what they said about you? Because oh. every, everyone's got a write-up. Yeah. All right, it says, never oh. knowingly predictable. Easy World have written their second album in stark contrast to their critically acclaimed debut, This Is Where I Stand, an album from which the top 40 hit Junkies was taken. Gone are the guitar-orientated pop anthems as they've made, more, they've made way for a more intimate and rock-like album of songs which reflect the more mature and confident song-driven mood of writer and singer Dav Ford. Now, did you used to call yourself Dav back in the day? Yeah, that was, again, just full of affectations. It was, it was just Dave without an E, and I'm, I, I don't know why. Again, I don't know why. I don't know why I did silly things like that. I was, I was going to say I was, I was young, but I was definitely old enough to go back. <laughs> we weren't like a teenage band. I was probably like 25 at this point. So, um, yeah, it, was, um, it, is like, it is very much like picking through naked baby photos uh, trawling through my past like this. Well, we're so. going to do that for the first half of the show, so don't, you know, don't, don't get too uncomfortable. It, it goes on, though. Intriguing and engaging, full of attitude without arrogance, Easy World are the quintessential English band. Their approach is simple. They write albums and tour. You never know, it might catch on. You said yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, and so as a result, we're going to play a little bit of Easy World. I'm going to give you a choice here. Because I had a mate... I'll give you the choice, and well, I tell you this very quick story. It's Junkies and Whores or Second Amendment, because I had this mate back in the days of iPod, where, you know, with the iPod, when it first came out, you had too much choice, and you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to listen to? And so his go-to song while he was choosing what to listen to, his go-to album, was the Easy World album. He used to go there to decide what to listen to. Is, is that because it really makes you speed up your decision-making? <laughs> second longer, I'll just choose anything. Um, I doubt it, but so what would you like them to hear? Would you like Junkies oh, and Whores or Second Amendment? Oh, it's no contest. Second Amendment every time. Like I, I, I have very. Um, it's strange. I, I have, I have great affection for the second Easy World album, and and very little for the first. Um, much as I, much as I enjoyed the the process of of, of making it, and a lot of the, uh, it was a very educational experience. But I, I think that the second Easy World album is is. Is something I, I, I hesitate to say proud of, but um, but you know I I don't mind the association. Right. Well, I'm going to play it, and I'm hoping I've downloaded the version without the f bomb. Let's give it a go. Kill it in the free 
absolute belter there by Easy World. Now, if you don't know Easy World, you've got a problem, haven't you? Because they're not on Spotify, which is quite big at the moment. Is that you? Is that you? Were you ahead of the curve? Yeah, yeah. We we were. Well, we knew there was trouble brewing. It didn't uh, go on Spotify. No, I, it, it. Do you want to know the, the real reason we're not on Spotify? Absolutely. Uh, Easy World is such an obscure um, <laughs> band that the people who own our catalogue don't even know that they own it and so they they haven't even bothered to put it on Spotify like I don't own like we don't own those songs like the, the record label who who signed us uh, and then subsequently don't exist anymore sold their cattle to somebody else who sold it to somebody else and various different iterations of of financial bodies now own and control the catalogue and they just don't really know what they've got Anything they think is worth some money, they would have put on Spotify and everything else like us. They're just, it's just sort of sitting there. I, I don't know who owns it. Maybe we should have a whip round and, and buy it back. <laughs> I don't think it would take that much, to be honest. <laughs> if you make them an offer, then maybe, maybe they might. But yeah. Now, we are going to talk a little bit more about Easy World before we move on. Um, I get how you chose the name David Ford, but how did you choose the name Easy World? I must confess I don't remember. We, we had... Uh, Naming a band is, is a horrible business. It's really, really difficult. Um, and all band names are terrible until you've lived with them for, for a little while and they just stick. Like The Beatles is a terrible name for a band. The Rolling Stones is a terrible name. The Beatles isn't just a bad name, it's a bad pun as well. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's bad on a number of levels, but The Beatles, like having lived with them for, you know, obviously all of my life, you don't even you don't even question it. Yeah. Like they're, they're great, but if if a band emerged today and that was their name, it would be embarrassing. Yeah, um, and uh, well, it sounds a little bit like Japanese pop. I've got to say, Easy World, some sort of Japanese yeah. pop band. It's all good. It's all good. Because in your book, and we're going to talk about your book, and if people don't have your book, go and check it out now. It's called I Choose This, How to Nearly Make It in the Music Industry. And it's £4.23, I believe, on Kindle, which is money well spent in anyone's language. Um, and people around the world. So I, I think I've just boosted your sales by a good four to five. So you can see the money yeah. come rolling in from that. Yeah. But this is what you said. You're talking about bands and you so they have a, they'll have a great band name, album title, artwork and T-shirt designs, a video treatment, interview strategy, rehab schedule and breakup plan before their first guitar lesson or recruiting a drummer. And funnily, when I interviewed Rick Witter, that's exactly what he said. He said they, they had all of that and none of them could play any instruments. But they did all right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mate, I had a mate who was in, uh, he was at school and he had a band uh, and they were Mainwaring, Evans, uh, Lloyd and Thomas. They were near Wales. Uh, and so they were called, they were going to call themselves Meltdown, M-E-L-T, Meltdown. And, and again, none of them could play any instruments. Yeah. Okay. But why should that, why should that stop you starting a band? Yeah. Uh, it was, That's yeah, right. we, we all did it. Like I was, I, I definitely wanted, knew I wanted to be in a band before I knew how to play anything, before I'd written a song. You, you just have to try and work those things out afterwards. But you it, you play everything, don't you now? You play everything. Uh, well, I consider myself an enthusiastic amateur among a number of, uh, across a wide range of, uh, of activities. I'm, I'm kind of like, um, in, in the musical Olympics, I'm a decathlete, you know? I wouldn't win any of the individual events, but like, uh, I do I do enough of everything that I can get by and, and as a decathlete I'm pretty good but yeah certainly certainly I'm not winning any individual award 
I mean, you are being a bit modest because uh, I've seen you play live and it is a thing to behold. We're going to talk about your use of the loop pedal later on in the show, when we talk about, especially when we talk about milk and cookies. But we're the Britpop show here. Okay. And I was reading your book and this is what you said about Britpop. So I'm not holding out much hope or I wasn't. <laughs> I can't remember I said anything about Britpop. <laughs> you said my 16th year may as well have been my first. I started at my local sixth form college where I met people much smarter and more worldly than myself. I discovered a wide universe of music and a deep love for the portion of it that connected with me. While Britpop was capturing the nation's lack of imagination, I was not interested. <laughs> There was too much catching up to do. Like every generation since 1967, I started with the first Velvet Underground record and I was gone. We're not playing any Velvet Underground, I'm afraid. Yeah, fair enough. But I did ask you to choose some, choose some songs and you came back with a pretty good list, I've got to say. And I'm not just saying that. I was like, good, at least he's come up. Because I had, I had someone, a BBC journalist, who was probably listening, uh, choose some really <laughs> random stuff. And I had to be polite about it. But anyway, you've... And the first one we're going to go with is Gomez. And you toured with Gomez, didn't you? I did, yeah. That was um, one of my early tours in the United States when I, when I first started playing over there. I was very fortunate enough to, to play a lot of shows with Gomez. And they were very nice lads and... Um, yeah, great band, and I, I was a huge fan of them um, from the, from their first album. Um, before their first album, yeah, the, the first few singles that came out. So to ultimately, eventually, be on the road with them and be <clears throat> we, we were label mates for a while as well. Yeah, later into my into my solo years, yeah, it was it was great. It was a, re a real thrill to to be in the same in the same orbit as them for a little while. I bet, yeah. And the the song that you've picked for me is their best song. So we'll, let's play it now. And we'll talk a bit more about Gomez after this. This is Get Myself Arrested.
arrested by Gomez and we have in the studio with us David Ford this week David you supported Gomez back in the day I did and you went around America with them but I would like to know what is and you can say Gomez if you want what's your favorite act that either you supported or that supported you oh my goodness oh I mean I'm glad you said that because people think that I line the questions up and that people you know but I don't I've, I've thrown this at you yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been over twenty years I've been doing this, so so obviously there are there are a lot, um, and I, I honestly honestly couldn't pick a favourite, you know. In you opened for Richard Ashcroft, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. He was he was really good. I liked him a lot. I mean, Easy World back in the day, we opened for Supergrass, who you know big uh, big Britpop favourite. Nice. Yeah, I, they were they're fantastic. Thank you for them. keeping it relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, um, and. Um, should I make I mean, it even harder then? Should I say who would you like to have played with that you didn't? Well, here's the thing: it's that's a tricky question. I, I don't mean to sort of be a politician about this, but um, well, we're not going to we're not going to have intercourse. <laughs> or bring me a cake or something. <laughs> anyway, um, the so it's really hard to answer that because I'm I'm one of those people who's like I I don't like the idea of meeting your heroes. So all the the, the musical. Uh, figures who I really look up to are the last people I'd want to be in a room with or be on a stage with because I, you know, I want them to to remain distant and godlike. I, I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with Springsteen or or Tom Waits or Neil Young or these these guys that I really revere. You, you see, know, rumor people... rumor has it that Springsteen is your mate. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about that. So when I when I um, when I first started going to America to play music, I was I was I was signed to Columbia Records, which is which was a huge deal. So that was you know Bob Dylan's record label and Bruce Springsteen's and you know Paul Simon's and everyone you know all these all these greats on that label. And um, 
And so the, the, my first show in New York, um, some of the the Bruce Springsteen management team came along to it because they were all, you know, part of the, you know, the same group who 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 knew the people at the label, and um, and they invited me to go to uh, Springsteen's tour rehearsal the, like in a couple of days time they, they, they essentially rent a, like an aircraft hangar and set up the show and, and, and rehearse it like on the stage with the with the East Street band and everything and it was like okay oh, come and hang out with, with, with Bruce and meet the band and you know he'd really like you and he'd like your music and stuff and um, and and we had to say no because I had a I had some crappy gig to play somewhere you know I had to go to I don't know to to West Virginia and play in a bar. And it was it was booked, so they, we went and did it because that's that's the kind of principles that I have. But um, I feel that with hindsight, I wish I'd gone to hang out with the <laughs> with the boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, subsequently, subsequently, I think it was my manager at the time decided that that, that he could spin that story into. Bruce is a fan of mine. We're mates and we hang out all the time just, just because, you know, there was one invitation that I, I declined. That became, that became, yeah, Bruce Springsteen and I are best friends. And, and he like ran with that like all the time. And it went, it got into like press releases. And every time I had an interview, they'd say, so what's, uh, what's Bruce like, you know? But you killed it, didn't you? You killed it dead. I certainly didn't do anything to encourage it. Yeah, if anyone yeah. asked me about it, I would say, I don't, I've never met him in my life. He does not care. <laughs> if ask him this question he would say i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um, i can understand why uh, why your manager would do it but you killing it dead probably stopped him stopped doing his tracks right we are the Britpop show i'm going to ask you a really difficult question favorite Britpop song oh favorite Britpop song oh my goodness yeah. oh, i wish i'd done some i wish i'd done some homework <laughs> well do you want to pick one of the ones that you gave me on the list and then um, hopefully it's the one i've got lined up Okay, well, um, I don't know which one you which one you've got lined up, but um, and and obviously Britpop's a vague term, but yeah. I think pulp is definitely you know included in in that canon. Pulp's and for one me, of the big four. Yeah, so but for me, pulp is 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 the is the big one. Insofar as I I never when when in my book I was I was maybe a bit derogatory about Britpop. I think I was mostly talking about that Blur Oasis moment, which. Just never did anything for me. I never. I, I must confess, I never liked Oasis at all. Yeah. Um, You're not a big fan of Stone Roses either, are you? Very much not. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you and I agree on that, and I get a lot. Okay. Of, I got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> and it's you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not good. It's just it's just not for me. Like yeah. I, I I have no I have no argument with anyone who 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 loves them. It's just you know, there are there are certain there are certain musical markers that I that I look for yeah. that are absent in 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 that and and kind of oasis i liked blur better but i definitely thought pulp were better than both of them yeah and you picked pulp and the 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 one you gave to me is actually again i when you when the list came in i thought this is great this is one of it's top three for me for pulp this is this is something changed we play the biggest hits 24 7 365 we're playing the biggest hits Yeah. 
by Pulp as chosen by David Ford who has joined us this week in the studio. David. Hello. You ha- you say you're not a big fan of Oasis but there are a couple of links to Oasis I believe <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. th- I'm going to throw them out here. Okay. First one, Owen Morris was your producer and he produced the first three Oasis albums. What was it like to work with him? Oh, it was it, m- mad. And a, a a great uh very interesting <laughs> like I mean I, I don't think he'd mind me saying just just like a, a really mad guy, very full of energy, very loud. He's very probably loud. listening, to be fair. <laughs> I do, I do hope so. Um, but but I yeah, I I, I I'm very fond fond of Owen. But there, we we did one single with him, and when it and and he was certainly somebody who was slated to produce our second album. We just we just couldn't do it because it was it would have killed us. But he he <clears throat> he. He told us a story of how he had literally set a singer on fire in the studio who had the nerve to fall asleep. Like in, <laughs> Studio days run late and, you know, you could fall asleep in a chair. And so 
he decided to douse the singer in tequila and set light to him. Okay. Like, I, I, I don't. I don't need that kind of level of danger when I make a record. Like, I don't think people with that on that level of cocaine fall asleep. So um, Owen Morris well, probably has yeah. never fallen asleep. He was, he was, it was a, it was a real experience and it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And actually um, his, so the, the engineer who worked with him, who mixed the track as well was a fellow called James Brown, who subsequently has become like one of my very dearest friends and, still mixes all my records to this day and uh, and you know he's in 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 studio terms i'm a sort of a, a two-man band so it's me, me and james are very much a collaborative thing making records and and it was working with owen that first had me uh, meet james so I'm, I'm very grateful for that and just for the experience generally it was it was bonkers but it was it was a lot of fun and the second link to oasis was uh, bonehead asked you to be in a band yeah, well, this this was this was partly through Owen as well. Like Owen and me were were, were friends, and um, and it, it seemed that Owen was was doing some sort of recording with Bonehead from Oasis, and I would I would get like two a.m. phone calls from Bonehead, like obliterated drunk, just just wanting to to chat with me. Um, and yeah, and, and he was he was he was he would often ask if, if we could be in a band together and, and he didn't know me at all. He didn't, I, he probably had never heard any of the songs that I'd ever, ever done, but I think I was just, I was a phone number that he had. Didn't he and, suggest that you should have a band entirely made up of people named after cars? Yeah. Which he's not. <laughs> no, he's not, but, um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And you ended up ghosting him. Yeah. Well, I had to, I, I had to just not answer the phone because it was, you know, I was never getting him at his best, shall yeah. we say. If he wanted to phone up at, you know, at three in the afternoon to, to chat about, you know, guitar strings, then I, I'd always be there for it. But it was always, yeah, it was always the wee small hours. Yeah. He was a little bit rambling and not, not terribly coherent. And, um, you know, I've only got so much time wow. for that kind of thing. Just, just send us his number because we'd love him on the show. Anyway, uh, right. Um, last week, I warmed people up with I don't care what you call me. Okay. And we ended the show with it. I played, I played a Stain to Never Fade as well, which is my favourite Easy World song. But then uh, we played I Don't Care What You Call Me. And uh, I, I was speaking to a guy today and he was like, what was that? He was, he was from the Midlands somewhere. And he said that, that that song was class. I didn't remind him that you should say class. But anyway, he, he, he said it was class. Okay. So we're going to move on to some of your solo stuff. Uh, and I've picked something from, I think it's your third album. Uh, it's uh, Let the Hard Times Roll, which for me is just your best album is every song on there is brilliant thanks yeah. I'm very yeah I mean it's just such a, and if if any listeners don't have that you can not go on Spotify and you can go and get the CD uh, and uh, buy it off Amazon because that's what kids do nowadays they go and buy CDs because that's the trendy thing to do in the is last it? in the last week <laughs> in the last week it's become trendy so I'm going to pick this one because it's a slightly more up this one is it's a love song to Margaret Thatcher. Oh, right. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Should we hear it? And then uh, hopefully people can listen to it, listen to the lyrics, uh, see how it links to Margaret Thatcher, and then we'll have a word about it afterwards. Okay. This one's She's Not The One by David Ford.
by David Ford who we have here with us David does your wife do you ever go in and say I've written this song called She's Not The One and your wife's like uh, what's that about then no it's um, my, my, we very rarely talk about my songs uh, with, with, with my wife I, I, I come down here to this little building at the bottom of the garden and, and uh, yeah what, what happens in here stays in here so uh, but it eventually it gets out there and does she not say uh, what was your motivation behind that yeah, she, she never listens to my songs it's like I <laughs> I don't even know if she knows what I do for a living. What are you on about? She owns the back catalogue. <laughs> um, right, so how, what is the songwriting process? Because your albums are clearly crafted. How, do, how, does it, how, how is it for you, the songwriting process? Well, there are, there are many ways to remove the skin from a cat. And um, over, over the years, it sort of changed a lot. It always used to be that I would, I would, I would trust that... The, the muse would find me. And so essentially I would just go about my life ignoring the fact that writing songs is something that I'm supposed to do and wait until tunes jump into my head and then, and then try my best to listen to them and, and let them 
reveal themselves. It turns out that's a, that's it's a good way of writing songs, but it, it it doesn't make you terribly productive. And I would write you know two three songs a year, which is great. But I, I sort of really wanted to to up my production rate. So recently, I've 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 been getting my head around the idea of writing deliberately. So so now I feel like I'm getting better at that, and and even uh, co-writing with other people. I've started to do lately, which which I'm still not sure I like it or not, but um, I'm getting the hang of it. So well, Taylor's open to offers. Exactly. In answer to your question, there's there's, there's lots of different ways um, to, to write songs, but um, the thing for me is is I always I always take it incredibly seriously, even if I don't take myself incredibly seriously. For for, for me, songwriting is is something to be uh, to be to be done with with great care and reverence. Yeah. And we're going to talk now because, you know, we're talking about collaborations. You could do a good collaboration with Ed Sheeran, couldn't you? Because you're both kings of the, of the loop pedal. Well, I like to think one of us is king, one of us is uh, some sort of <laughs> prince. <laughs> uh, yeah, one's Darth Vader and the other's... Uh, I've given <laughs> exactly. it away. I've given away the ending to Star Wars. Because I've seen you live a number of times and you genuinely are the things you do with that loop pedal are just genius it's and if people don't realize this i mean essentially what you do is you go on and you play a bit of drum and then loop that and then you play something over the top of that and you play something over the top of that and it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant were you a bit annoyed when ed sheeran started messing around with it no not at all i mean i didn't i didn't invent it i, I wasn't the first person to that was katie tunstall to do it yeah well it wasn't her either i mean there were people doing it like in the 70s um and it's not, you know, it's 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 like an instrument that's open open for everyone. I I I, I get quite excited that anyone anyone bothers to do it. For me, it's uh, it's I started doing it because it was fun. It was it was much more. It was a way of of playing as a as a solo artist and sort of making the same amount of racket I used to make when I was in a band. That that was it really. I, I really missed noise. Yeah. Just like the size of the of the of the noise you can make with a band, and and the standard approach for being a you know a solo performer is is acoustic guitar and voice, maybe a harmonica, and I I do 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 those things and I do enjoy it, but you know there's there's definitely part of me that that hankers after just ear bleeding noise. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it affords me that luxury, and also it keeps it interesting for me. Well, like I'm talking the, of interesting. The first time I saw you play a loop pedal was at a Milk and Cookies gig. Now, right. can you explain to us what Milk and Cookies is? Yes, Milk and Cookies, well, it was an annual charity fundraising gig, but um, times being what they are or have been in the last two years, I've not, I've not played a, a live one for a couple of years, but I did do a number of online uh, shows. Anyway, essentially, it's, it's a, so it's a fundraising gig, but it's not a gig where I just get up and just do my normal show. It's I want it to be... I want it to be audacious and dangerous and challenging. So I play a lot of cover versions that are too difficult to play or they're just a bad idea to play, you know, like Whitney Houston songs or meatloaf, you know, stuff, stuff that you really shouldn't attempt. And, and for me, it's all about being as, as, as bold and audacious as, as possible. Um, and, and usually falling short of the mark, but that's kind of part of the, 
part of the thing. It's it's like it's like someone with absolutely no diving experience going off the top board. It's it's going to be entertaining, but it might not be pretty at the bottom. For me, it's my favourite gig of the year, and for me, because it's normally in, in December, and it's for me, it's not Christmas without it. The last two Christmas have been rubbish because <laughs> we haven't had milk and cookies. Because there's no there's no start to Christmas. Christmas hasn't started yet. We haven't had milk and cookies, um, and it was my. <laughs> I feel like that because that's exactly how it is for me. Like I don't, I don't even consider like usually in a normal year, I don't even consider the the possibility of Christmas until the milk and cookie shows out of the way. Because usually that's, I mean, it takes sometimes it takes months and months of of planning and rehearsal, like way more than I would you know, put, <laughs> put into my regular uh, shows. Um, and it was my son's first ever gig. Took him along. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a, he had the big headphones on, so you know, yeah. he didn't he didn't deafen him, but. Um, so and as a result i was trying to find a, a cover song that that you did and i know it's not solo and it's not milk and cookies but easy world did a cover didn't they and i'm going to play it joe wiley i believe played it which for me is a good enough reason to to play hopelessly devoted to you by easy world
you are there with Hopelessly Devoted to You. Now, when I said to David, David doesn't know what songs I'm playing. And when I uh, I told him, when I just announced that, that I was going to play that, he, he gave a bit of a, a reaction like, oh, not, you know, oh, it's like some dirty secret that had been released. But we had a reaction to it. People are saying, oh, is it is it terrible that I like this song? And it's not, is it? The song's magnificent. The performance is, uh, is a little strange. It's, um, I mean, I was, I was much younger then. I mean, that, that's, that's... Were you a different gender then as well? And some, well, I was, I was much younger and I, I, I definitely had this idea of, of how, how singing should be done. And, and back then I thought it should be done incredibly high. And um, so that's, that's what I was... That's what I was going for. Well, because there's something in your book where you said because you're a three-piece band and they, they used to start addressing the female bass player as if she were the singer because they yeah. naturally just assumed it was a woman singing. Yeah, yeah. But she I, must be singing You Can't Play, You Can't Tear Polaroids. She must be singing that, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, just checking, just checking. Phew. Uh, right, so we're going to move on to your latest single. Yeah. Uh, which has just recently come out, I believe. It was, what was it, last week, the week before? Yeah, it's, it's, it's got that new song smell. Yes, and would you like to tell us what it's about? Yeah, it's called The Wall Has Come Between Us. It's, um, it's a song about, uh, about that which divides us. Um, Another one you had to explain to the wife? Uh, <laughs> well, no, this, 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 one, this one I don't think would, would get me into any trouble. It, it was so... I suppose it was directly inspired by, firstly, by Mr. Trump's build that wall wall that he, he talked a lot about. And, and just, just sort of the, the thoughts and the, um, behind that whole idea that, that putting up walls is a good thing. And then it occurred to me that, that pe- people put up walls not during, not during good times. They're very rarely a positive thing for the world, like the, the positive moments come when when you when you tear them down and so i was thinking about thinking about that the building walls but but also the 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 separation that we see in society the the great chasm um of i suppose political polarization and then you then add to that the the fact that this pandemic came along and divided people and it occurred to me that of all the things going on in the world Maybe the pandemic was one thing that actually might have a chance of uniting us much better than politics or the building of these silly damn walls. That is a better introduction than I could ever do. Let's hear it, shall we? You're listening to The Britpop Show, sponsored by Creation Day Festival, playing the best and the rest of Britpop. come between us I cannot stare it down We fight upon the beaches We yield the higher ground The wall has come between us
Gone Between Us, David Ford, a brand new single. Now, we've hooked them, haven't we, David? We, they, now they're thinking, how can I get more? How can I, uh, how can I l- see this guy live? And you're doing a tour, an Interesting Times tour. I- I'll read them out. So you've done Sheffield and Otley, yeah. so we're going to have to do March. So 5th of March, you start in Cambridge. Then it goes Edinburgh, Manchester, Runcorn. Where is that? You, you it's, sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of the armpit of Liverpool. I mean that in a very... Uh, nice way a loving way <laughs> Pocklington where's that oh Pocklington's lovely uh, East Riding of Yorkshire okay um, yeah it, it's, a, it's a small town in, in the countryside that punches way above its weight culturally fair it's enough wonderful. now are you are you big in Durham because you've got two nights in Durham uh, no but I'm playing a very small venue okay <laughs> very honest then Leicester Brighton Abbotsbury That's, is that one in a church Yes. I yeah. won't be able to go there then, I'm afraid. You know, not allowed in churches. First into flames. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Truro. Truro would be good. Two in London. Uh, London's the 23rd of March and 24th of March. And then Winchester. Yeah. Um, finishing off in Winchester. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's March. So if people, people will have listened to your, your stuff and will be like, I want some more of that. And they can get to see you live. And is that a full band or is that the loop pedal? Well, the good thing is because I have the loop pedal, it, it's always a full band. So yeah, it's so I'm I'm mostly playing solo. I I have a very wonderful opening act called Annie Dressner, who is uh, playing her set, and then she's joining me on a couple of songs as well. So yeah, you get something else to look at apart from my mug. For Amazing, and uh, I'm you know just in terms of the loop pedal, people need to appreciate how good this loop pedal is. So they need to come along and watch you because it is a thing to behold to watch you play it I, I, I am you know now is the time to confess that I'm a big fan so <laughs> and of course your book is amazing it's £4.32 on Kindle if it's got a dry sense of humour it's funny and it, it but it doesn't try to be and it's just it's a brilliant read so again if people are interested that they should read that it's not just about your music it's about the music industry in, in general 
Yeah, it's it's well, it's it's about it's about all sorts of things. It, it, essentially, it was it, it was a, a bunch of anecdote, anecdotes from my first ten years since I quit my day job to be a musician. Yeah, uh, and the book's now twelve years old, so um, I kind of really need to do a I need update. a second part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the final thing is, you've got a new album coming out at some point, have you? Yeah, I've got two actually, but yeah, okay. very very Prince like. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I've, so I have an album which is called May You Live in Interesting Times, uh, which is coming out in March. And I can't remember the date, but, okay. you know, it'll, yeah. it'll be out it'll when be it's out. out. Yeah. And uh, what about the second album? Uh, and, then, and then I have a, I have a very interesting project. It's, uh, it's sort of a, a pseudo jazz album. I don't do jazz myself, but I, essentially I wrote a bunch of songs and then recorded them with, with an incredible jazz band. Um, so it's So it's... So it's sort of non-jazz songs played with a with a hint of jazz. It's called Love and Death, and it's it deals largely in those two themes. I am looking forward to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> no, they 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 both promise to be amazing. We're going to leave everybody with uh, one of the, another song of your third album. It's, it's called Sylvia, and it's it's a pretty upbeat one. I absolutely love it, David. Thank you again for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, and uh, for the rest of you listeners, see you on the flip side. It's from the 1990s. Just a cold heart of steel I, I didn't know what it is I did